Hey, this is Brandon Sanderson, author of Mistborn. Welcome to the Legendarium. Shut up! <laughs> shut up! All right. Slowly bleed. Oh my eyes. gosh, Ken, shut <laughs> up. Welcome, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast. I am Craig Hanks, your host, uh, and let's introduce the rest of the cast here. Now, he's a lot like a Twilight vampire, except that he's not young, not attractive, not shiny, although he does have something resembling a personality. It's Ken Johnson. I I'm going to bleed you out. <laughs> and we'll and I'm going to stare at Megan's safe hand. Hey. <laughs> it's under the table. <laughs> now, we should, we're we're going to talk about safe hands. Shut came from. up. <laughs> shut up. All right. Slowly bleed Oh, my out. gosh. Ken, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> He's as hairy as a Wookiee and at least as difficult to understand. It's Todd Wenty. <laughs> he gives bags of rocks a bad name. It's Ryan Bruckman. And what she lacks in looks, she makes up for in. Just kidding, she's super fine. It's Mega Smite, Megan Smite. All right, that was that was not even an insult. I wondered if you'd insult me. Oh man! And ladies and gentlemen, now you know why Craig and I were single for so long. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Megan, welcome. It's your first time on the podcast Uh, today. We are talking about the Wave Kings with you. We held off because you're like a Wave Kings expert, and we didn't want you to have to, you know squirt blood out of your eyes as you tried to only talk about sections one and two or sections three and four so we're talking about the whole book this time uh very happy to have you thank you i'm excited yeah you should be been listening for a while it's cool to be here with (laughs) y'all um now before we do get started i I, (laughs) before we get started i want to bring up a couple of things um like i do uh, often nowadays, I want to talk about Patreon very quickly. I was actually talking, Ryan. Do you remember Meg? Have you ever met Meg? She's a friend of mine who runs uh, a fairly successful blog. Yes, I, I was on the podcast that we did with her. Oh, that's right. Duh. Hello. Uh, anyway, we were talking about funding our our different projects, and she said, she told me, I just have to use ads. People on the internet, she says, are super cheap, and you're never going to get people to give money to you. And I said, that's crap. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I said, we're running Patreon. We've already got a a small handful of people who have given to us. Uh, But it is only a small handful, and we do need more of you to give. And I'd like for people to prove her wrong that people on the Internet are not cheap. Maybe people who watch The Bachelor as their primary form of entertainment are stingy. Oh, Bachelor slam. (laughs) 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 Uh, But no, we have awesome listeners, and I'm I'm grateful to those who have given and uh, grateful to those who will, because I'm sure that we will have many more who help us out uh, with our costs here on the podcast. Second thing, I do want to point out, uh, or I I just want to say a big fat thank you. I am playing a very dangerous game for the last couple months on this podcast and for another month or two in that I held off on reading The Way of Kings because I wanted it to be my first time when we read it for the podcast. So I think I held off for, what, a year and a half, two years? You wanted your first time to be special. Exactly. We all know that. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and again with the single jokes, aren't we? And uh, anyway, so I did. I held off and... 
uh, you know, it, it wasn't much of, spoilers weren't much of a danger back in 2014 when we were reading Mistborn with you guys, but as the podcasts have gotten more and more popular, it really is. It is a big danger, and somebody, actually more than one somebody has pointed out to me, like, hey, are you nervous that somebody on Reddit, somebody on Facebook, somebody's just going to ruin this for you? I said, I know what you mean, but no, it hasn't happened yet. So far, so good. Uh, I freaking love our listeners. They're awesome. I think most of them most of them say things like, "Wait until you read book two. So I well, think I'm yeah. okay with that. That's true. You might spoil surprises, but where this series is right now, you can't spoil any real true finish because at any time Sanderson can change. We know he can change things yeah. within a chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's all I got. Great. That was good stuff. So Ryan, Who's now. Wait Thank you does, does for that finally mean we can start ca- talking again. Oh my gosh, you guys are the worst. I am about to start swearing like a freaking sailor here. Oh. I can't get through a damn intro to save my own damn life. My my ears. <laughs> my freaking ears. <laughs> All right, so I do want to turn it over to Ryan to actually talk about the Wave Kings because that's what we're here for. Take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, before the end of the Stormlight Archive, we will have Craig committed. <laughs> All right, who's ready for another edition of exceptionally long recaps for very short sections? Oh gosh. I'll I'll take very long recaps for 500, please. All right. Well, this is then. my least favorite part always. <laughs> I know it is. That's why I make a point to keep doing it this way. Should we start a timer? Let's yeah, yes, someone Ooh. do on your phone. Okay. We're in section 5. There's only a little bit there. So, Shalon confronts Yasna about being able to soul cast without a Fabriel. In my notes, it says a Gabriel. Totally different story. (laughs) And then proves it by dropping into Shadesmar, which she does by revealing that she killed her father. Just FYI. Uh, After Yasna agrees to keep her on as her ward, she reveals that she believes the Voidbringers to be none other than the Docile Parshman. Dun-dun-dun. Okay. Potential there. You don't get get, ominous music with these. You just have to keep reading. No, Todd. (laughs) <laughs> Zeth reaches the last person he has been tasked to kill, but surprise reversal! The final victim has his oath stone Twist. and is none other than the simple king of Yakaved. Not Yakaved. Uh, Carbronth. Carbronth, thank you. Teravangian. Dun dun dun. That's, I actually have dun 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 written in my notes. <laughs> thank you, <Todd>. <laughs> <laughs> Dalinar returns to the first vision that he remembers having and discovers that these visions are essentially just recordings. And there's one really big reveal. The Almighty is dead. <gasps> Odium has killed him. There's no done in there, Todd. You're not going to no. give me... No, I'm not going to We got a We got a gasp from Ken. That's, that's Okay. And scene. And then lastly... If you wish. <laughs> we find Wit at the gates of Alethkar waiting for someone who, when he arrives, claims to be one of the heralds, Storns, Storn, Storn, Stone Sinew. Harold, what is the name, Todd? Give me a vowel. Uh, Talanel Elin. That's right. There's a lot of E's. Talanel Elin. Talanel Elin, who claims to be one of the ten heralds, which we read about in the first chapter. We've come full he circle. He was the, he was, dun, dun, dun. oh, never mind. We'll get to him later. Go on. Yes, we've come full circle in the story, starting with the Heralds, ending with the Heralds. Ladies and gentlemen, the Way of Kings. So that guy, I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed. It only took you two minutes to go through four chapters, five five chapters. 
but none of it held together. Todd, there's a microphone over there that you should oh, really yeah, uh, I really should think be talking about. into, huh? <laughs> uh, no, the um, the guy I had to look it up. I didn't actually catch it until this. I read through section five twice because it's short enough that I was able to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, it dawned on me that oh, I need to go back and look. And sure enough, he's the guy that was banished to the seventh circle of hell because his nine. Yeah, brothers and sisters, heralds left him behind. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, consigning him to an eternity of torment. Well, apparently it wasn't an eternity Full because circle. he's back and now he's dead. Unless this is part of his eternity of torment right. to have to be with us. Yeah. I mean, with humans. And watching Ninja Turtles 3 over and over and over again. I bet that's part of it too. It's well, you can actually deduce a little bit more fr- about him uh, from that first chapter if you go back and reread it. Uh, like you said, that he was the one left behind. Uh, but they essentially, the heralds, as part of the Oath Pact, what we know so far, just from Way of Kings, is that they seem to arrive when the desolations are coming. And then once the desolations are gone, they get taken back into a place where there are fiery hooks put into their skin. And they are tormented for a very long time. We don't know why. We don't know much other than that about the Oath Pact as of yet. So, yeah, the heralds. Any other, any other thoughts? Any people got thoughts on the heralds? They sound like a Sioux Indian tribe. What? Huh? Certainly. Okay. For all of our familiarity so none of with you, American none of you culture. have ever seen. Never mind. None never of us. Mind. None of you have seen movies that came out in the 1970s. Thank you very much for those of you who are old enough to remember it, and you know what I'm talking about. A man called horse. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I'm old. Yeah. I wondered why you picked out the Sioux especially. That was so. the why. Now I know. Yes. Okay. All right. I got to go through the uh, the, the main questions, though, that we've started every podcast with so far. Now that you've completed the book, favorite character? It's not going to change. Um, I, I didn't figure it would. Yeah, I'm kind of doubling down uh, on Shalon. She was wonderful in this book. And I, I know she gets more moments in book two, from what I understand. Like, mm-hmm. I get that. But uh, I was hooked. I loved Shalon. I mean, Kaladin, don't get me wrong, none of the others were bad characters or anything, but uh, she was the one that I was looking forward to the entire book. So can you maintain Dalinar? Yeah, still Dalinar. And uh, it, it should be interesting, you know, as things go forward. But. <laughs> Although I did love the uh, the final reveal of Kaladin's backstory mm-hmm. uh, at the battle and everything. That yeah. it, it, Very interesting stuff. Love Kaladin's character. So, Todd? Oh, you're going to me before Megan. Um, yes, I'm saving the I'm saving the the one that no one has heard yet for last. Saving the good one for last. Exactly. I know exactly what you were going to say. Um, I'm I'm gonna st- I'm gonna stay with Dalinar as well. I'm I'm fascinated by the rest of the characters. I really like them, but I like the arc that uh, Dalinar seems to be on, especially now that he is apparently on an absolute crash collision course with Zeth. I'm excited about. This so excited he's bouncing, especially so. because he no longer has his shard blade, and Zeth does. I'm thinking to myself, "Ooh, punching will be fun." I may actually enjoy that. Dalinar has Kaladin. Surprise, surprise! The two old guys go with Dalinar. Craig goes with the girl. I like Kaladin. Oh, I, like I don't Kal- see what's wrong with this. <laughs> I like Kaladin just I like fine. Them all. Don't get me wrong. I like them all, but and we all know Ken's all right. the perv here. Oh, no. So Whatever. all right, Megan. All right. I'm feeling the pressure. Favorite I, character. You know, two days ago I would have said Dalinar, um, but I, I like Craig. I reread this last section twice, and I am gonna go with Seth. I just think his story really? is fascinating. I we don't really it's know. It's so a lot mysterious. About him. Yeah, but I this whole idea of the truthless of 
Shinovar, Shinovar. 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 I don't know. Sure. Whatever, whatever about. gets you through the story. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I love Zeth too. I mean, Kaladin is my favorite character, and he main- he has maintained being my favorite character through both books, having read them. Um, Which one, Dalinar? No, or Kaladin. Kaladin. Sorry. Now, I Kaladin. I do want to say when we talk about the primary characters, Dalinar is my favorite, but I still contend that my favorite character to read is Rock. <laughs> yeah, I can I can grant you that. We actually never really talked a lot about the Bridgeman. I think that might be something worth bringing up. Uh, Mark it, put a pin in it. We'll come back to the Bridgman. I have a feeling the Bridgman will become important. I'm assuming assuming that your next question will be about quotes. Yes. Which leads me to one of my favorite secondary characters. I think it was in the first podcast that we did here. So for sections one and two, episode 101, 102, something. Uh, Anyway, somebody asked you on Facebook Live. They said... uh, they okay. said, who's your favorite character and why is it Lopin? Uh-huh. And I Lopin? had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> so my, my quote is Lopin's. <laughs> he said he, they had just, they're kind of decompressing after the battle at the tower and talking about the fact that Kaladin is a, uh, what is it? He's a, uh, He's a surge binder. Surge binder. And he kind of glows with this white yeah. misty light. And he says, the only thing I'd be alarmed about is how irresistible the women would find it. Lopin, they'd say, you only have one arm, but I can see that you, but I see that you can glow. I think that you should kiss me now. Yeah, that's hot. That's what I look for, unless they're vampires. I do have to say, I, um, on a, on a, on a mildly serious (laughs) note, I do actually kind of identify with Lopin's tendency toward quips. Uh-huh. Uh, it's something that I ha- that I struggle with when I'm not hosting a podcast, and I just want to murder people for their quips. Um, but yeah, if I a lot of times if I'm in a group setting or something, I'm the one shouting out borderline uh, inappropriate things or borderline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I really liked his character a lot. I enjoyed reading him. We're gonna call you Gancho from now on. Any other quotes? We. Do- I, uh, I marked this one back in uh, the first, uh, in sections one and two, and I never got to it, but it just, it made me laugh, and it still makes me laugh. Battle was a masculine art. A woman wanting to come into the battlefield was like, well, like a man wanting to read. Unnatural. <laughs> is is this just something you have embroidered on a pillow <laughs> at home? <laughs> Embroidery is like battle. <laughs> all right, Megan, do you have a, I, you came prepared, like, literally, legitimately, I want you all to know. She came in with papers and prepared like legitimately well for this podcast. Something that we all aspire to do one day, I but won't ever happen. I really didn't want to mess it up, you guys. Maybe too late, but there you go. I didn't know we could pick things from the beginning of the book. I went from uh, the fifth section part. five. Section five. Thank you. <laughs> Still good. Um, <laughs> part five. Oh, and let's start over. Uh, it's. Um, Dalinar talking to Kaladin, each man who wears my colors is of my family in a way. The cloak is a simple gift, but it is one of the few things that I can offer that has any meaning. Accept it with my gratitude, uh, Kaladin Stormblessed. Where did you hear that name? Your men. They think very highly of you, and that makes me think very highly of you. And I like this quote because it really brings together this whole journey. That Kaladin and Dalinar have been going on a parallel journey where they both lost brothers and they both really feel like they failed. And they've spent this whole story trying to make up for it and trying to look for honor amongst the light eyes, mm-hmm. both of them, and both just getting creamed. And they finally found each other. And it's 
you know, Dalinar has a lot more trust than Kalan does at this point, but I, I like that um, Dalinar recognizes this in a dark eyes and that Kaladin gets to hear it from a light eyes that he respects. Yeah. Huh. I like sorry, that. I, I never, got really deep. I know. I never actually thought about the that brothers parallel. Yeah. I didn't catch that. That's awesome. Hmm. There are a lot of brothers in this book. I kind of love it. Do I feel like I'm Shallon with her four brothers right now. Shallon. Oh, I'm going to say that wrong all night. I'm sorry. It's not wrong. It's, it's just, just different. Just different. <laughs> So the real question based on that, that is... Which, which one, one of us is, is the crazy alive? one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, have thought about it, and I'm not going to tell you. I think... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to. I think we all know Ken is it's a Craig. puppy torturer. It is Craig. <laughs> no, Ken might like the out-and-out out fighting, but he doesn't get into the puppy torture. At really, least we should all be fighting over... Um, oh, shoot, the name's left me. The, the oldest older brother. brother. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll learn about it more in book two. I, I don't that. think I've ever seen Megan laugh maniacally and evilly before. That was nice. I, I like that. Can we talk you know about so much you don't know. Since we're here, can we talk about that interlude really quick? I mean, Shalon. No, because Shalon, I haven't given my quote yet. Shalon murdered her dad, and she's the normal one of that family. Think about that for a second. I don't think now. anyone <laughs> in that family oh is gosh. normal. I don't okay. think anyone okay. in that family is normal. All right. Yeah. Oh, we're going to go to an actual point somebody's going to bring something up and we're going to talk about that why would we do that craig okay. why would it this other stuff has worked for us so well for so long <laughs> so do it's i get to say my quote yes todd your quote Thank please you. do um mine comes from uh the epilogue and it's when hoyd is talking to the guards i, I this is this is for me for me hoyd is one of those characters i can't say he's my favorite character but i really like it when he shows up because he he feels to me very much like the jester, like uh, like Shakespeare's Shakespeare's fool, which I'm sure he is modeled after, the one who can say all of the smart things and make everybody else feel stupid, but you don't feel bad about it because you kind of go, oh yeah, I kind of knew that was going. It's when he's talking to them and he says, so uh, what is it that we value most? And the guards are like, well, what's most valuable? No, 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 no. It's not what's most valuable. It's what we value most. And he says, so it's not the beauty itself we admire. It's not the force of intellect. It's not invention, aesthetics, or capacity. The greatest talent we think a man can have seems to me it must be nothing more than novelty. I got a kick out of that, largely because for me, I've been thinking about some things that I'm trying to do, some things that are working for me in, in, some, in, in some other environments, and I'm trying to be the first to do a couple of these things. And it's scary but it's fun and it's exciting. And if you're second, it's kind of wah, wah. And I don't want to do that. Probably my, uh, my favorite part of that discussion is his walking the guards to the answer there. Yeah. When, Because after he explains it, he turns around and says, you know, what if someone else has a major scientific breakthrough or whatever, but they do it a week second, after right. this person, they will not be mm -mm. they will not be celebrated the same way. And I thought about that after after reading that how many things actually fit like that in, in like that's a very true principle Tele television and yeah. its invention by uh its invention by philo farnsworth we we recognize that and yet at the same time apparently in russia someplace where they could not have had access to that information during that period of time somebody else did it at the same time flight with the wright brothers and a pair of uh inventors in argentina Mm -hmm. uh, being disputed at the same time. I mean, uh, until we got to until we got to an age where communication could happen almost instantaneously, it would be very, very, very conceivable that two people could invent the exact same thing, and it was whoever promoted it best winds up being the one that gets respected as the inventor. Mm -hmm. 
Ryan, what's your quote? My quote is, expectations were like fine pottery. The harder you held them, the more likely they were to crack. Part of the reason I love this so much is there are certain moments when I feel like Brandon talks to his readers through characters in moments like this. Um, specifically, I, there's, a, there's a section in the next book that we will read uh, that is I'm, I'm almost 100% certain that Brandon Sanderson just said, I need to talk to you guys really badly for a minute, so here's the four or five paragraphs. Please read this and understand. Um, but this is the first inkling we get of, look, this is, you, you got to be careful. It, the more we build this, because this has been really well received, everything else, the more we build this, and the more you expect it to maintain this, the harder it's going to be for you to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. The harder it's going to mm-hmm. be as things go along, because it's going to start, you're going to find the cracks in things. It's going to crack because you're really holding to it. It's got to be this. It's got to be this. Right. And we do it with fantasy literature, science fiction, film, everything. We get these expectations, and we hold so tightly to them that we start to crack it. And I, I loved that. I loved that quote. We do it with reason. relationships. Uh-huh. We do it with everything. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm the level three guy. I got to no, come I, up with relationships. I actually, thing, yeah. Right? I really did anybody like miss? Did we not get, not get anybody's quote? Ken, did you give you gave a quote, right? Yeah. Okay. I think we're good. I'll give you another if you want. No, I like yours, Ryan. I think you win. That, that's uh, that's <laughs> very that's very applicable. I think. Wait a minute. This was a contest? Oh, yeah, it's man. always a contest. Didn't you know that? I didn't realize we were all a leffy. So I'm just waiting for the podcast. Yes, Jared. Yes, Jared. So here's I'm going to give you guys a little rundown of the things that I want to make sure that we get covered in this podcast that we have to talk about a little bit. One is we have to go over the interludes again. We breezed over them a little bit. Because now that you've finished the story, we can go back and see what makes sense, what didn't make sense, and I want to know what questions you have. The other thing is the epigraphs. I teased at the end of the last one uh, something about Mm -hmm. the letter. Oh, my gosh. So we're going to go over that as well. Oh, man. (laughs) And then I want to make sure – I really want to get questions like what questions were raised. We will play a little game of – a short game of cast the the book um, for a movie. Um, Other than that – Points are open, guys. So the first thing that needs to be brought up is for anybody who has now made it twenty minutes into the podcast. Oh yes, they Without need their us. third uh, word of the day. Oh right, right. I don't think you, I don't for think the you uh, for the signed copy of The Way yeah, of Kings. Well, yeah. uh, the third word of the day is actually two words. It is bridge four. Bridge four. So bridge if you will go back. If you will uh, listen to all three, or if you have listened to all three of these podcasts, you now have three words of the day. They form one sentence, and if you tweet that sentence at us, or send it to us in any way you'd like, I suppose, but as long as you can basically prove that you've listened to all three of these podcasts, you are entered to win this signed copy of The Way of Kings. Looking forward to hearing from all of you. Thank you very much for listening, and I couldn't be happier to buy a book, wait in line for it to get signed, and pay for postage. Uh, it's it's a ton of fun. I love our listeners, and I'm happy to give it away. What I'm wondering is how many of our listeners have started to tweet that or type it someplace while we're doing this podcast right now. <laughs> Not more than a few, because there, <laughs> there aren't that many watching live because we didn't give them very much notice. There sorry, there sorry everybody, for that one. That I'm is pretty not sure. how I thought that phrase was going to end, so I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Fantastic. All right. Excellent. So let's jump in. I want to go into the interludes. Oh, really? Yeah. I want to jump into the interludes. And we're going to start with the very first interlude. It's called Ishik. 
You guys remember what's is going on? Is this the on? Pure Lake one? Yeah, yep. it's the Clear Lake. Pure Lake. The Pure Lake. We talked about it a little bit at the end of this one. The value of this interlude. Um, what did, did, When you first read it, did it mean anything to you guys at all? No, and it didn't mean much the second time either. It doesn't mean much the second time. It really, really didn't. It, it seems like it's there just to tie it to the rest of the Cosmere. It's worthless. <laughs> worthless. Those Ken. are fighting words. Uh. What? I think I don't think you are wrong in your assessment. I don't know I that think you're wrong in your judgment. Yeah, it, yeah. <sighs> I mean, well, it, it does. It does. The, the big, the it biggest does mystery the, to me is why we keep inviting Ken to these. Honestly. Because your blood you pressure don't. is fun to watch go <laughs> oh, up. Man. He did bring the pizza. Oh, that's true. It, it does. <laughs> it, it does. Um, you're, you're, you're invited. It does back. introduce we'll Pure Lake, so that's place. good. I mean, it in, it, we know that we we meet the Pure Lake, and he's very descriptive, and he makes a point of, so that you know that there's something about this lake and the people who live there. They're yeah. very different than than a lot of the other people on Roshar. Um, I just chalked that up to geography. That. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so there's that. But otherwise, I just I didn't get anything. But look from at, it. for example, look at many. Anytime we visited some of the other places, uh, Yakoved or some of the other places, he he has not taken the, as much time to describe the area yet. That's true. The ones that he has, um, mm, I'm going to hold that thought just because can I'm I, not sure if it. So it's can I push back a little bit against Ken in in a real way, not just making fun of him? But um, you couldn't push back against me if you tried. Oh my God. Just am, you yeah. only encourage him by stopping. Uh, right. Just go. Okay. He's not trying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do find when I was as I was reading the book the first time, I wish that somebody had told me about the interludes. Um, I, I wish somebody had warned me that this is a thing that Brandon does. Now that I'm done with the book and I look back at how he structured it, I appreciate that he placed them there because this is a long book, and in some ways I think it's valuable, if nothing else, to have little interesting or fun or colorful uh well for lack of a better word interludes between the parts to kind of uh, as a palate cleanser almost sure. so that as you're reading you you kind of reset a little bit you get excited again to go back and uh and, and revisit shalon and kaladin and dent dent bet dent, 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 denethor <laughs> <laughs> you, you read it. You were in a wrong interlude if you were getting <laughs> Denethor. Uh, but do you know what I mean? Totally so agree. I, I, totally I agree. think they're valuable in that way, but I wasn't able to see it as I was reading the book. As I was reading the book, it was more like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah. I think um, for me, as I as I read the interludes, I they were not my favorite part of the book. Um but they were they were very much like uh, I, I was reminded of the comic books that I read as a kid where um, you'd be reading a, you'd be reading something that had a huge arc that was involved in it, several issues that it was going to go, that were going to be taken up on these characters. And then you'd have eight or 16 panels that were dedicated to this little teaser. And I learned over time that those teasers were very carefully inserted to make sure that I was ready for the next pieces. And so as much as I looked at it and I said, yeah, okay, interesting, but thank you. I'd really rather move forward. Um, I find them better the second reading. I find them in there more as a, uh, let's make sure that we give you just enough information so that when we bring this back in the next book, these things will make sense. For me, that's expert writing, but it's also expert marketing. 
to make sure that there's just a hint to keep you locked in. If the story doesn't lock you in, maybe we've got enough information on some of these other things to make sure that we lock you in. I'm not accusing Brandon Sanderson of doing that sheerly for a mar- from a marketing or a, uh, a financial ploy, but I am saying that I recognize that that is a very, very valuable tool that I think he uses expertly. Yeah, I, I think... Um, as much as we nerds like to crap all over George Lucas these days, deservedly so, I think that he was a, a genius in two ways. One, as a, as a creative filmmaker, and two, as a marketer. Yes. He, Star Wars wasn't that original or interesting. No, and it was wrong. But he made it, it original was, and interesting. It was bad science fiction in so many ways. Well, it was never meant it to be science, science fiction. fiction anyway. And we all love it still. Yeah. Anyway, so I want to give a little bit of perspective to part of the reason that these interludes are in there. Uh, yes, palate cleanser. Yes, that works. Uh, yes, teasers to other future things. But, but you're both wrong. <laughs> there, There's actually, and I wish I had the, uh, I remember the link where uh, it was an interview with Brandon and he talks about how he writes these books. And one of the things is these interludes are also to keep you aware of what's going on on the rest of Roshar. Mm-hmm. That's a, there's a big reason why most of them do not take place in the same place as your main characters. You know what's happening on the Shattered Plains. You know what's happening in Carbranth for the most part. That's important to the story. What you don't know is this world, this Roshar is huge, and there's a lot of stuff going on. That's why we're following people, um, uh, Rissen? Risen, Risen. yeah, yeah. We're we're following out. We get to know a little bit about Shinovar that she's out there and she's sitting here. What is this dumb grass that's just (laughs) sitting here? It's not pulling back. It doesn't do anything. I I thought Shinovar was. It gets my dress dirty. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we visit. That's that's another one of the interludes here. That it doesn't seem like we're not necessarily always looking at how is this connecting to the Cosmere. A lot of it is telling us you are in a very big world. And you're only staring at this much of it. Yeah. You have to see that there's other things going on. And it, right. what's happening over here is going to affect all of this. Yeah, the desolation is going to happen to everybody yeah. on that planet. Yeah. yeah. It's a big deal. Um, one of my favorite interludes, actually, I have no, I don't have a lot of information outside of what is written inside the chapter. Um, and that's kind of actually rare because I've searched so much of the other stuff in here. Uh, but Axes the Collector. Yay! <laughs> you guys remember that so section? Um, remind yes. me. Run me through it real quick. So Axes is uh, someone who is studying Spren. Oh, right. and his and wife. His... No. 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 No, this is a different he, one? We'll come back to that one. Oh, okay. He's the one that has a terrible luck. He's always looking to find the new types of Spren, and so he goes and he finds this giant. He's going to see this giant Spren that comes out of the water every day at the same time. You could set your clock by it, everything. He, has to, he convinces the, the drunk guy in the street to give him his magic blanket or give him the blanket to hide his <laughs> nakedness as he s- destroyed the town. You remember this at all? Yes. Right? No, it's, yes. Man, this is <laughs> this was, I, <laughs> It is one of my favorite single it's chapters so that's outside of the, outside of the stories, just because it's so much fun. It's, and at the very end, some kid comes by and grabs the blanket that he's been using to keep wrapped up and t- takes off. And he's like, well, it looks like I'm going to get to learn about incarceration sprint again. <laughs> I, okay, that's I loved it. It's such a great little bit. But the one that has a little more weight to it, I have a feeling he's going to play a bigger role later down the road, but I don't know if he, what's going on, what's going to happen with him. Yeah. I think he's a world hopper, if I'm honest. I think that's a possibility. Um, In the same way that Hoyt is. 
that Hoyd, that Galadon. I mean, we we hit the Pure Lake and then totally ignored the fact what we talked about last time. The reason, one of the big reasons for that chapter is the Cosmere connection to Galadon and Demu. Demo, whatever. Demo. I can, so he he writes I it French. It it's pronounced Demu. Demu. Say whatever you want. Good I don't enough. care. Yeah, Demu. we have we have our first introduction That's to characters that are part of the seventeenth shard that we are aware of. Noted. Okay, kids at the back of the freaking class. <laughs> are, am I going to have sorry. to split the two of you up? You've already tried. Oh my word. <laughs> Go on, Ryan. So we get the the connection to the seventeenth shard. Again, it's a Cosmere connection. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it here, but that is something that we actually read about in this book in the epigraphs, which we'll mm-hmm. come back to. Okay. Oh, okay. Man, we're, mean, we're doing a lot of we'll come back to that. Because there's a lot of stuff that we'll this, have to jump back to. This podcast won't last forever. We're trying to, we're trying to, I'm we'll trying to push try through it. the interludes right now. Okay. But you brought up the other two people who are studying Sprint. Yes, I liked that couple quite a lot one of them is uh work, works on food and the other is uh actually studying spren and they make a little discovery do you remember what the discovery is was it the, can, the, the, the one fire can... spren when you measure them when you measure them they hold still right yes and their form you holds. don't even have to be in the same room with them but if you're right basically as soon as you define the spren they hold to that definition like you say this one is five and three quarters inch or whatever it would be five and three quarters inch because you've given it a definition mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys so it's as if merely defining its form traps it somehow and i love that's great phrasing that is great phrasing because it's not like uh, the way that i put it was it it gets stuck like that but it has that it's this it kind of reminds me of when people say you know i'm moving to a new city i'm getting a new job blah 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 whatever it is i want a fresh start and what does that mean? You're going to a place where nobody has yet defined you. Mm, and right. you're going to, so you can finally stretch your wings, dance in the flames, or whatever these little spren do, until such time as people form their opinions, at which point you're frozen again, and you would need to make a fresh start. Right? Life yeah. lesson. You can totally take that out of that. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. That's what I was thinking of. Craig came up with a level three thing? Wow. Oh, please. <laughs> he does that sometimes. I did wonder. Oh, Megan, you got something? No, I, I just I thought Craig was going to go the opposite way with that where, you know, you tell somebody you're getting married and everybody automatically starts telling you all of their horror stories about weddings. And then that's what you think it's going to be like. I don't know. Wait, it's basically the same thing that you just said. Oh, okay. Just that somebody else ends up defining it's like, oh, I was excited about this, but apparently it's terrible. And now... I can't think it's anything else. Okay. And for me, I, I, I think we talked about this last week. I, d- I don't know if I mentioned it. Maybe it was off the air. As soon as I heard it, um, my, my direction was, oh, it's like, it's like electrons. They are, they are those things that, um, that we, can, we can know. Uh, of the three aspects of electrons, we can know two of them, but we can't know all three. They are absolutely yeah, undefinable. Yeah, you brought that up last yeah. time, right? And that was, that was one of the things. I, I, and I find it interesting that as we're talking about this, Brandon Sanderson does something that triggers all of us in different directions. I like that. I appreciate that about the guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Craig. I appreciate What? (laughs) What do you want? You want me to validate you every time you say something? There's not every time. But once in a while would be nice. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. They're both pretty. Come on. (laughs) So I would say that probably the interludes that have the biggest effect on this story directly are the Zeth. The Zeth interludes, yeah. Yeah. 
Tell well, us about the punching yeah. interludes. Ken, nobody wants me to talk. <laughs> I think you left. I, I think we're all. I, I want you, you to Ken talk. Out of the I, part. Zeth and I'm is, driving, so I, I want you to talk. I just I love <laughs> the way Zeth works, and he had the way he expertly knows how to bind or how to work all of the bindings and, and and to watch that and then watch Kaladin who's just learning how to do all of this surge binding and, and just trying to figure it out I was like I don't even know what I'm doing and and how he uses all the stormlight so quickly that he just burns himself out and he's laying there like I can't move and and Zeth just he knows how to work all of this stormlight and this mysterious this this mysterious essence that that most um Alethi used for for light, you know, for for mm-hmm. such trivial things, which Zeth says in the very first prologue, very first prologue, whatever. Um, and, and to watch him use it and to watch how he can manipulate it is just is fantastic. Yeah, it's obvious to Zeth especially. It's a sacred. It, yeah, uh, how they're using this great gift as a light. Um, I love the character of Zeth. I I really appreciate that it was one of your favorites there, uh, but. His character, because we get so little of him, raises more questions yeah. than anything mm, else. Right. He's yeah. very mysterious. My question that I have, and frankly still have, uh, where did he learn? Yeah, his yeah. every every yeah, single that thing too. that he can do it leads to another question. Why does he have right. a shard blade, which um, Teravangian touches on a little bit, but doesn't yeah. tell you anything? He Basically seems to says. he seems to have names for these things he can do, like yeah. binding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So or lashing is that the yes, yeah, the three lashing is the word. So did somebody teach him those words, or was it kind of like um, like Kaladin was doing toward the end of the book, where he kind of just stumbled into it? And the longer you live with these powers, the more you're going to understand them anyway. Right. Well, so. but he's also being guided by Syl a little bit. She yeah, doesn't oh, really right. understand what's going on either, so, but she. Well, and yeah, you bring up a great point because all of our other. Potential Knights Templar, what are they called? Radiant. Knights Radiant. Knights Radiant. <laughs> they have a companion's... Wait, no, no. All we have is... No, nobody has it. Who, what's, who am I? <laughs> what's happening? Wow. Finish the thought. Um, Use your words, Who's our potentials? Kaladin, Shallan. Dalinar. Shallan doesn't. Shallan's Del- hearing Del- voices, Well, Dalinar though. is more like... Uh, like uh, he hasn't shown any sort of abilities... He's just a main character. He right. hasn't bonded he's, anything. He he's shown leadership. Yeah, no, I guess I'm just thinking of Kaladin. In, no, no, in trying so to make your point, though, Kaladin has Syl. I wonder if Zeth has a Syl. Exactly. That's, yeah. 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 That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. But yeah. Shallan is hearing voices, and she's seeing these friend-type characters with the symbol heads. Yeah. Yasna does tell Yasna, her that those Yasna are. Yasna tells her that Which those are clearly, clearly Yasna sees them, too, then, if she knows Or that she has something along the same lines. She's aware of them. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling that... Seth and Kaladin are the same. Shallan and Yasna are the same. I'm pretty sure Yasna sees him. I'm just... Okay. I, I figured I, that'll I f- come up. I but. think that's very interesting you say that, Ken. Um, have you done any looking into the Knights Radiant at all? Okay. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, what? Okay. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. Just read the book. So they do talk about... Uh, they don't describe it very much in detail in, in here, but they do talk about the double eye that is right. the symbol of the Knights Radiant. Mm, yeah. It's in the front of the book, actually, if you look at the printed version. What? If I, okay. remember, I, ble- I vaguely remember it being somewhere. Okay, keep talking. I'm looking. But what we, 
we'll learn more about the Knights Radiant, I'm sure. Um, but this is pretty boilerplate stuff. There are ten orders. Right. They're all connected and they all share certain aspects. I think that if you're looking at the people that we know about, um, obviously we don't know much about what Shallan can do other than it involves soul casting. And we only know that Kaladin doesn't soul cast right now. He's, well, and we uh, know that Shallan's soul casting is related to her telling a truth. Yes. As opposed Which to is Sylph, super who is an honor spren. Yeah, yeah, there's some weird well, stuff going on. Well, she's been lying through this whole thing. Like, it isn't until the very That's end that she's people so actually know what's going on. I know, right? Every, That's why yeah. my wife hates her. Oh, really? Well, she, does, she never tells the truth. It drives her crazy. She's trying is, so hard yeah. to protect her family. One, one of my mm-hmm. favorite things about this story, and, and I was going to bring it up later, but I'll bring it up now, is it's so refreshing that we have three main characters who uh, seem to be, I mean, we're we're in Shallan's perspective and so she know how we know how she's thinking but we have three main characters and none of them is presented as anything other than a good person yeah. i sometimes it can be a little bit tiresome to get thrown anti-heroes at you mm-hmm. you know week in and week out on television and all the movies yeah. and everything it's all anti-heroes uh so it's great to have three heroes but maybe that's why i find Shallan the most interesting is because she's a good person who is thrown into in a, a very interesting situation, and she's lying through her teeth mm-hmm. the entire time. Creates a lot of great tension. But is she a good person? That's well. What I'm saying is, as she's presented in this book, mm-hmm. it, she does seem like yeah, she's really trying to do the the right thing. We talked on the last cast about the lesson that uh, Yasna teaches her in the alleyway, mm-hmm. and you know she is not. Uh, she is put off by this thing that Yasna has done. She has a very strong conscience, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I might argue she, yes and no, and it, simply because if you pull back a little bit in the story, in that isolated incident, uh, she found the taking of life to be a terrible thing, um, and the way everything that was everything that went down in that instance to be just wrong um, until she thought about it some more. But if you pull back, does she have a conscience? Well. You're saying the ends justify the means and because she is trying to pull off a con. She is a con woman. Um, she is doing it for right reasons in her mind to protect her family, which what are they trying to do? Pull off a con to all their debtors, get right. them all taken care of so that their family is available. And then at the end, she admits she killed her father. I'm going to say the evidence which, is not strong on her for being a good person, which, other than the fact that she believes what she's doing is right. But on, I think that I think that goes to I think that goes to Craig's point. These characters are presented to us as honorable individuals, all of them striving to act within a within a framework that makes them um, to be seen as very sympathetic. Um, but all of them, I, I I think the way that I would have said it is that all of them are inherently flawed. Flawed, imperfect, they're poor decision makers. Yeah. And they know it. Right. All of them are very aware that that in spite of how hard they try to do the right thing, they seem predestined, doomed, um, uh, forced to make compromising choices that leave them feeling very, very, very disappointed in themselves. I'm, All of them. I'm going to go to bat for Shalon, though. She says she killed her father, but... That's does she does she use the word all murder? We get. Or does, does she say remember. I murdered my father or I killed my father? I think she said I killed my yeah. father. But okay. But does that mean she took the knife and slit his throat? Does that mean that she di- directly killed him? Does that mean she left him to die? Does that mean she made a choice that led to his death? Does that mean? Yeah, it could be that she is that the truth is this thing that she feels deep inside of her, and yeah. it's like 
it's like, yeah, I killed my father, but it's the guilt of not having helped enough or something like that. Yeah, we're, we're just skimming the surface of the glass beads on that one. So, I mean. <laughs> nice. I think I, I'm going to say that I will attribute most of that to the fact that these are written in first person. Yeah. Esque type. Like, we're, we're looking well, yeah, at this we're from her it's perspective. First pers- yeah. It's first person perspective based on the chapter. I mean, so. So, I, I would say that in general human fashion we tend to think about ourselves in both the most critical and the best light we think we just like i'm a good person but i've done terrible things right like that's how you would view that and so with shalon if you want to make the judgment about her being a good person you have to step outside of her and look at that i'm not sure that you can make that argument that she is but from her perspective totally get it and that's not saying that i don't like her i'm just making that argument yeah no i get you and i i just appreciate that she spends Oh no, have I already said this? She spends the whole, this whole story, this whole arc, like she's been lying to everybody and she's trying to pull off this con and she can't really talk to anybody. So she's just very alone. And she finally gets the end and she can share with Yasna and they actually share this secret together. And finally she has, I want to say an ally, but she has somebody that kind of understands that can help her through it. For the same reason that she tells Yasna, you need to keep me around because I'm someone you can talk to. You don't have this secret from me anymore. Don't send me away. We can help each other. Because I can blackmail you. (laughs) Well, and I'm going to make mistakes and you can help me fix it or you can help me make less terrible mistakes. (laughs) How did you guys, um, this is Kaladin's book. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, We'll have five books. This one's Kaladin's, next one's Shallan's, third one, it belongs to Dalinar. Dalinar. Fourth and fifth are toss-up yet. Brandon hasn't decided. One will go to Zeth, and one will go to Eshenai. Um You have met Eshenai. It was a chapter heading in this book. Mm-hmm. So just realize that... Wait, say that again? What? Eshenai was in this book. Uh, okay. It was a chapter heading. I gotta go oh, back and It's called this. Eshenai. Um, it's the chapter where oh, the yeah. shard bearer appears. Chapter sixty-eight. Just found yeah. it. It's where the uh, shard bearer appears on the during the tower uh, battle. The Parshendi shard bearer. The Parshendi uh, shard bearer. Ah, uh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So much more. So much more. Wait until book two. So, this book is the one chance we're that we'll probably get to be able to look at Kaladin from beginning to timeline end that we have as of right now. The other characters will get their beginnings later. How do you feel about Kaladin's journey from son of a surgeon, enlisting in the army, slave, leads bridge four, now freed and part of Dalinar Kolin's it's army? Really, it's it. a really interesting take on a very familiar tale of the, the farm boy that goes on the grand adventure. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. Because first of all, he's not exactly a farm boy. He lives in a farming town, but he's an outcast in that farming town. Mm-hmm. And so he's already... Uh, separated from your traditional character in that way and then instead of the very steady arc that we got in the belgariad uh of what what was his name belgarion garion garion until the end yeah yeah so garion goes on this quest and he um yeah there's a very steady ramp up of he's getting more powerful he's more knowledgeable the story is taking him along this very clean upward uh, upward arc on in this case Kaladin leaves the farm so to speak and immediately hits rock bottom at least story-wise I mean there's a few years in there but pretty close but yeah he he leaves the farm and everything goes wrong everything goes wrong and it's only at the end of this book that he even begins to start climbing out of that hole 
So you watch really different, really well, different, but it, it's, it feels familiar at the same time. Well, and he never really seems to have any control over anything that happens to him. The one thing he has control over is that he works really hard to become an excellent soldier, an excellent um, spearman, spearman. spearman um, which ends up being fantastic. Because then when he, you know, you get to the tower, uh, I can't remember. I want to say Teft makes the comment that um, the stormlight doesn't give you like amazing strength it just mm-hmm. takes what you already know and enhances it right mm-hmm. um, and this it, was an artist yes. yeah yeah i love it because there's another sequence like that where um it's kaladin kind of talking to himself and it says you shouldn't be surprised when a certain uh i don't remember what it is like when a uh, baby horse can walk or whatever you shouldn't be surprised when uh, you put a spear in kaladin storm blessed's hands that mm-hmm. I, I will have to look I'll have to find that one but it's it's i love that quote uh but here's the thing i with Kaladin's history, the first read-through, I struggled caring about the history chapters until it got to the end. Oh, yeah. On yeah. subsequent read-throughs, it becomes more intriguing. Like, I actually cared more about it on secondary read-throughs because it also became more important to me. Knowing where he was going and knowing why this was important, the relationship between him and Liren, mm-hmm. when he learns things like when his father pulls the the guys come to rob him and he pulls it off and he says i saw true bravery or i yeah. saw what that looks like and it was a surgeon like he but hit the relationship between him and Liren is one that i absolutely love on a second and third read that's a good character mm-hmm. and and i didn't i didn't have that same feeling i i loved the history chapters they they were for me the history chapters really pushed me faster in the reading um, I, I, I went through those as quickly as I could, but I, but I really stopped and enjoyed them because they gave me, at least as I was, as I was reading slash listening to it, they gave me a, they gave me the piece that I look for in a book. I'm, I typically am level, I, I tic- typically am looking for level three things. And in those history chapters, that's where a lot of Brandon gave us those level three pieces. What is it that really is the, the compass, the moral compass that drives Kaladin? He got it in those moments and he manifests it in the, in the present. And so for me, I, I, was, I was absolutely just focused and riveted on those history chapters. I think it gives us a chance to really see, we get an idea as to what his decisions will be yes. based on the uh, interactions he has as he learns things from Lear and as he learns things from his mother. Um, as he has his interactions with Tien, and we realize just how important Tien is to him. Yeah. Honestly, I know Tien is dead, but I have a feeling that that's still going to play a large factor just because of how big it was in this yes. book. Yeah. Yes. That yeah. Tien will be... What, f- in, in what way? Like, he's not coming back. I don't think he's going to come back unless they introduce some sort of, like, necromancer type character or whatever oh, which I would just but i bet i yeah that's no thank you but i bet i bet his presence his <laughs> his influence <laughs> sorry that, influence was a, that was an inside joke I, what? I i think tian's influence and and his uh his uh, guidance will be there you know his, his guiding influence will be there throughout the, the stormlight archive i think it's important because when we at the beginning we don't understand why why kaladin is bringing sen into their group or anything like that as we continue on in the story, we learn that we realize that his deal is that he's trying to protect Tien-like characters. All those, yep, all those boys that he went and he bought from other squads were boys that reminded him of his brother. And, and, and the he one was thing trying to save them, the and one he saved to none of them. Yeah. Oh yeah, when done as well. But I think that the one thing, one thing that Kaladin lacks as a character most is optimism. And that comes through Tien. And so he, when he doesn't have a Tien near him, he doesn't have someone, 
uh, he becomes the wretch. Yes. Frequently. Yeah. Mm. And so we have to find those characters, and he has to have those characters around him in the story until he can get his feet under him. Once he gets there, he's pretty good. Um, and I think that Syl is a stabilizing force for him. But Teft. 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 Yeah, the Teft Bridgemen have become, my favorite. they're not necessarily TN-like characters in their own personalities. No, but they're, Liren, to protect they're Liren-like characters. Well, Teft, Teft becomes Liren. I would say Teft would be, yeah. yeah. But his, the yeah. Kaladin's drive and the first, it's important, guys, it's important. The first, <laughs> <laughs> the second ideal that Kaladin says, what is this second ideal of his Knight's Radiant Code? Protect those protect who cannot those protect themselves. I will protect those who cannot protect themselves. Protection is a huge issue for Kaladin. But the, the funny thing is, uh, his entire uh, story in this book is really the embodiment of the point of the first Radiance, journey before destination. And it is all about his journey and how he how he lives his journey and how he, he deals with the things that he's you know, uh, w- w- deals with what comes his way and how he, he continues to just fight through it and say, yeah, this sucks, but it's what I've got and I got to do it. So I'm just going to keep on doing all the way through this book. And it, it's hard to it's hard to remember as this book goes on. I, I kept thinking this as I read the calendar chapters. He's only like 19 or 20. Yeah, he's he's uh, not by the old, end of the book, but he, he is feels 20, I believe. Yeah, but he yeah. feels like a very old character already. I think some of my well, favorite from, moments from your perspective certainly can <laughs> yeah because I'm only 14 <laughs> some of my favorite moments in this book are the moments where he has to make a decision about like you talked about moving forward uh, the ca- so he has the chasm sequence mm-hmm. like the big ones here chasm sequence when he comes back and takes over the bridge um, after he's hung up in the high storm yep. and he realizes that Everything is set against me here. Yep. Literally, the bridgemen aren't supposed to survive. How am I supposed to combat what our purpose is there? And he decides he's just going to have to do the best he can until he can get him out. Yep. Decides to train him. And then, uh, and then the tower. The tower then sequence. The tower. Yeah. Um, I would actually say that there's one a little bit earlier when he's a slave. Um, he tries we, to stand up for the sick guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a small one, but it's it is a decision uh-huh. point that we get to see him. We don't. The thing is, we've talked a lot about him as a bridgeman. We've talked a lot about him as a knight radiant. But his short time as a slave was interesting because he still maintained that the basic aspects of trying to protect this guy. Look, just give him water, and then he gets yeah. angry when he kills him, and you know he's still bitter and upset. But he is he is still what Kaladin is at, at heart, and that is mm-hmm. a protector, which is important. So I want to, before we go to, uh, because I'm sure we're going to get to the epigraphs, Mm -hmm. uh, because um, Jared has been waiting for a good 40 minutes now for us to get to the epigraphs. This one's going to run long. This is going to run long. We'll probably have to cut Facebook and come back to it. Well, we'll 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 see. see. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) but before we get there, I do want to point out chapter 73. Uh, the The title of that chapter is Trust. Oh, yeah. And that really grabbed my attention. I didn't even notice when I started reading the book yeah. that that the chapters had titles. And I know we talked about this briefly last time or maybe the time before. But I, yeah, as soon did. as I noticed it, I, said, I, I started paying attention. And this one, apparently I didn't catch whatever her name is. Uh, Eshenai. Eshenai. But anyway, but I noticed this one. It's called Trust. And if you guys recall from our Mistborn episodes, Trust was a big... Uh, theme in yes. in the Mistborn series. Mm-hmm. I'm not spoiling anything here, so I'm not gonna. Don't worry about that. But it it is a big theme, and so th- I, it grabbed my attention, and I it made me wonder: Is this 
one of Sanderson's big themes that he explores through his literature in general. Is that what we're going to find as we continue to read him? Uh, the chapter itself is about Kaladin ruminating on uh, Dalinar's purchase of the, the Bridgeman's freedom with the shard blade. Uh, and so now, you know, Kaladin's whole worldview has been upended. Can he trust this seemingly good man? It reminded me a lot of Vin at the beginning of Mistborn when she just can't bring herself to trust anybody. Yeah. Uh, and people have to break down those walls and say, no, there are people deserving of your trust. Let me show you why. Uh, so, yeah, grab my attention. I think uh, I, I, you mentioning, I wonder if this is one of the things that Brandon Sanderson will talk about. I think this is a, a, a pivotal point of all human relationships. And if you're going to talk about uh, making a difference in, in human life, trust has to be there somewhere. So I, I don't think it surprises me at all that he spends as much time as he does in Mistborn and in this um, talking about the idea of earning trust, of keeping trust, of betraying trust. Because when it comes right down to it, one of the few things that we give that is truly of us is our trust to another. And, you know, I, I think that that's why it hurts Kaladin so much when the trust that he gave to Amaram is mm. betrayed. I think it's why it hurts him so much when uh, the the trust that is given him by his parents, I'll I'll bring him back when he betray when when he through no fault of his own through nothing that he can do he still betray feels like he has betrayed that trust. Um, I th I think that's a very interesting concept, and I I'm not surprised, and don't think I will be surprised to see it woven throughout this entire uh, this entire piece. You know, Kaladin's parents are still alive, that's, although it feels yeah. like they're dead. They're that's still what alive. I was wondering if they yes. were still out there. That would ding. That was going to be one of my questions. Well, the other one I wonder. <laughs> well, I, I make the assumption. I make the assumption. The other one I won, I, I wondered. Did we? Did something happen to Amaram? Or is he still around? Uh, Amaram is still Amaram around. Is, yeah, because he stole the shard blade. Yeah, and he then stole the shard blade and the shard plate. We never find out if you know he's dead. And which we which so. can By we talk way, about that for just a second? How sure. great a scene was that? Oh yeah. Oh, so my word. It's it's it doesn't go the way you expect it to, and boy does it shed some light on Kaladin's character and his, on his pure hatred of all light eyes. Yeah, how could you possibly not feel the way Kaladin does? I want to hear from Megan. the uh, the idea of of Kaladin's uh, all the way through the 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 talk of light eyes and dark eyes, light eyes and dark eyes, and I get a kick too about the idea that. Uh, it makes about as much sense as the Almighty declaring that light eyes should rule just because of the color of their eyes. I think that was a Lopen comment, too. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. I have something to say on that. Um, <laughs> it, 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 well, light eyes and dark eyes political policy? <laughs> no. Um, but I, but I, I've, I, I, was, I was reading through this, and I was, I was amused at first at the way that this separation of light eyes and dark eyes happens. But when we got to that scene, it was no longer amusing. It was it was polarizing, and I felt I felt very frustrated. I I that was one of the first moments that I really um, that I that I found myself feeling um, really angry about something uh, in this in this book. Rather than rather than just carried along by it, I was really mad. Um, it was messed up. It was it oh, was, yeah, that was and and it made me understand Kaladin much better than anything that had gone on before. Um, it, it, it made sense. Uh, let me say it differently. It made sense out of his distrust of anyone 
that was a light eyes and the way that he says, but there are light eyes, but there are light eyes, but there are light eyes, but there are light eyes. Even the betrayal that he suffered at the hands of the city Lord didn't make as much sense as that moment did with Amram. Yeah. Ooh, can I draw a quick parallel? Uh, <laughs> and no, no parallels are allowed. <laughs> really quick. Um, that I just thought of because Amram, his, the high prince that he answers to is Sadius. Right. And so Kaladin is horribly betrayed by Amram. And then Dalinar is later horribly betrayed by Sadius. Ooh, another okay. parallel between the I journeys have. of the two. Tackgun it. You know what? Uh, I'm sorry, you, you had something you wanted to you say. You know how when you're driving down the highway, and there's a scene on, or there's a sign on the side of the highway and it says speed limit, you know, X miles an hour. There's an intellect limit in this room <laughs> and you've exceeded it oh, a couple shoot. of times now. You are going smarter than the posted there speed. Is, there is <laughs> something. I apologize, listeners. There is something about that sequence, though, that none, nobody has brought up yet. You've talked about Ka where Cal the source of Kaladin's hatred of Light Eyes came from. He turned down a shard blade. Yeah. yeah. That is not something that people do. I mean, it, it boggles Amaram's mind. It's part of the reason that he goes through and has to kill the other men because no one gives up a shard blade. Well, and it's an interesting moment because Kaladin starts out in the... Oh my gosh, in the flashbacks, he starts off, he wants to be a soldier and he wants to be a shard bearer and he thinks Amaram's the greatest. And in that moment, all of those, like in that oh, yeah. chapter, all of that is blown away. Everything and that he, he grew suddenly up. has to like figure out something and he's, you know, loses everything and becomes a slave. But yeah, it's this huge reversal to what he thought was going to happen. Another he, the moment yeah, for him to achieve everything that he left home to do other than mm -hmm. pr protect Tien. Mm hmm. He has the moment to do that, and he, and says, he says, I no. can't do it. I can't take it. because." And the reasoning that he gives here is that it's, you know, the blood of my, of my yeah. men is on that blade. Yeah. It's not because shard blades don't cause people to bleed. But, but, but the you know. yeah, he's just seen so that shard blade rip through Another most parallel of his men. between Kaladin and Dalinar. Nobody turns down a shard blade except those two men. Duck on it. Man, I'm going to have to read this book again. <laughs> Man. It's too you, soon. Yeah, it's true. I I actually hadn't even thought about. Like, I, hadn't I hadn't really thought about, thought about parallels right between second, the two. But, yeah. but have you talked to Brandon about this parallel thing? Did he tell you this? Uh, okay, stop. Fifth. Stop. <laughs> All right. Craig, he said, I, have I, I have something else that I want to bring up with the light eyes, dark eyes thing before okay. we move and off that subject. Once we finish that, I'm going to put it in the ground now. We're going to the epigraphs afterwards. Okay. okay. After this, epigraphs. Um, Jared's so excited. In the epilogue, <laughs> Hoyd is thinking yes not allowed he's just thinking uh and he's thinking about the light eyes dark eyes thing uh and he says of course there was a reason that people did what they did in having the light eyes rule over the dark eyes well there was usually a reason in this case it just happened to be a good one hmm. huh How did okay I now that? Oh. hang on because I want to bring it back to Mistborn. In this case, this will be a minor uh, Hero of Ages spoiler. So uh, I'll give you five seconds. Please go ahead and, and skip ahead of uh, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever. But at the end of Hero of Ages, we are told that uh, despite everything that everyone had thought, uh, you know, the, the nobles are a bunch of racists and they just hate the ska. There's no reason to. No, in fact, they were biologically different. Mm -hmm. And they were made that way by uh, whatever, the guy who took up the Shard of Preservation. Uh, whatever his name was. I can't remember it. The Richard. Lord Ruler. 
Rashak. Rashak, yeah. Anyway, so there was an actual physical, biological difference between the two, and I feel something similar coming on here. Well, and there's an interesting... The, um, the story that the kids in Kaladin's town have that if you get a shard, a dark eyes who gets a shard blade will become a light eyes. Um, if you'll notice in one of Zeth's interludes, he he does kind of mention that his dark green eyes, when he pulls out the shard blade, become a light emerald. Oh. Uh, wait. I oh, okay. Yeah. That. All right. I can't. I have. Megan's I shouldn't so have sourced it. Out. I Source can't it. find it. She came in with notes. I trust her. <laughs> right. so Anybody who has words can't on the printed page must be smart. All right, Ryan, should we talk about epigraphs? Yes. Epigraphs. Okay. So tell me, gentlemen, what did you notice about the epigraphs they as are, we went through the story? Well, it, oh, as we went through or as we got to the end? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What, give me your first impressions of the epigraphs. Uh, for... Uh, that's a terrible question for the third episode on this book. <laughs> uh, well, as a very first... <laughs> what was your first impressions about the epigraphs at the, at the chapter when you first started reading confusing. the first two chapters? Oh, okay. Confusing. Yeah, confusion. So, some people are seeing things in the very end throes of the death rattles. I mean, that's pretty much what I... Yeah, I just figured that, maybe that was it was it, you know. some kind of possession by uh, old heralds as they died they were speaking through these people's mouths or something like that it seemed very much like the whole you know when people are at death's door they see the light you know or whatever and then they come back and and that's what it seemed like and i i kept thinking that that the correlation between the ones that were quoting at death and the ones that seemed like they were bits and pieces that were pulled from from research journals or whatever were somehow connected that we're going to find that they said this is what i saw and this was something that happened to correlate it this is what we were looking for this is what we correlated so it felt like it was going to be this great big research paper that yasna colin was that's what i was going after well i figured it was it was something okay somebody's recording something as people die i didn't expect that was what you that blew my mind one of the one of the sections it does seem like those are those notes though yeah Mm-hmm. So the first thing here, you don't notice. Most people don't notice it on first read through, second read through. It, it almost, you know, it takes a little bit of time. Each of the three sections, sections one, two, and three, have different style of epigraphs. Mm-hmm. I did yes. notice that. Section yeah. five doesn't have them. The uh, interludes don't have them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first set of epigraphs, if I remember, I believe it's the first set and fourth, have just kind of a narrative. Yeah. There's no additional notation or whatever. The second set mm-hmm. are the research paper type ones uh-huh. that say this was noted in page 48 or whatever that you're like, you know, your thing is from Yasna. And then the last set are the death rattle speech mm-hmm. ones you're talking about. I thought one and four were both. Yeah, Actually, yeah, yeah, I did. One and four were both the death he started the he started the death. Speeches. So I started in the middle. Yeah, the death. Yeah. So yeah. So, so the second the one ones. is the research paper and the third one is like a narrative something or other. I can't so we have the three different types there. Mm-hmm. After you finish the book, what do you know about those now? Okay, so the only thing that I... I didn't even notice the other types because I was... uh, Even though I was really confused, my attention was very much held by the death quotes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's what I was most interested in. I didn't notice when chapters didn't have them. I didn't notice when they were in a different style. (laughs) That's the the only kind I was after. Um, Now, so we learn at the end of the book that Taravangian, the Mm -hmm. king of Carbranth 
is basically bleeding people out mm-hmm. in a quote-unquote hospital. I think so was it. Jared? It's a wing of his hospital. Yeah. 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 J- Jared on the uh, on the Facebook feed says murder hospital. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's bleeding people, and they're not even necessarily sick. Some of them are. Some of them are the sick who can't be saved. Some of them are just the poor people who nobody's gonna miss off the yeah. streets. Yeah. Yep. Super creepy stuff. So he brings them in. He bleeds them out. Kills them fairly slowly so that they have time right so at the time of their death to say these things and not all of them do but some of them do and these are recorded now that's very cool very interesting very cool i have to say i just mean as a as a a, device never be in a room alone with craig which one of us pulls the legs off of crabs it's cool because it's a story and not real life however the reveal itself of teravangian as the mastermind not any good not a good reveal i I'm not saying it won't turn out to be cool later uh, and that he won't be a great bad guy, but there was no lead up to this. Yeah. Sanderson did not give us any sort of indication that he was anything other than a doddering old king who somebody was going to take advantage of someday. There There were no seeds planted earlier in the book as he usually does. And Todd, you're looking at me like, yeah, there were, but don't give me that crap. I'm going to have to go back and reread because yeah. I don't trust myself when I see these kinds of things. I'm, I trust Brandon well enough to know that he there was probably one or two little moments where, and, I, and I, I, I can't put my finger on it, but I feel like there were one or two little moments where Shalon noticed, caught a, caught a glimpse of Taravangian out, out of her eye and thought, oh, that was interesting, but I can't put my finger on it. I got to go so back and reread. I, I will put both of your cares to rest here a little bit. You're both right. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, we had this conversation a little bit before. I disagree. I loved the Teravangian reveal. It, it did. It came out I, of left I, field, and I went I, for the exact same reasons. Like there was nothing there that should have led me to yeah. believe that this secondary tertiary yeah. character is was anything else there. Yeah. I liked it a lot. It, it, it's what I've come to expect from Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. A, a a piece that is sitting in front of me the whole time that he says, ha ha, I fooled you. What I love most about that reveal is that he gives it to Zeth and even Zeth is like, that's messed up. Like his, <laughs> <laughs> his thought is, he goes, I could kill him. Zeth thought I could stop this. He nearly did it, but honor prevailed for the moment because Taravangian had the stone. And so he had, and I'm just like, well, you, but, why are you beholden uh, to the stone? Kill the guy. Which by the way, like the we phrase, just started talking about Harry honor Potter prevailed. But honor, honor prevailed. prevailed coming from Zeth. Yes. Yeah. That's a. That's a. I don't know if that means anything, honestly. But that to me was like red flag. That <laughs> anytime the word honor is used, red flag. Why? <laughs> well, because yeah. somebody, some people have a twisted sense of what's honorable. So. Although, okay, that, I, I, I do want it noted. Jared on our Facebook feed says, "You are right. There were no seeds. I win the game. Nope. Yay for me. <laughs> the seeds. You you don't know what seeds to look for." Jared, I disagree with you. They are there. <laughs> but, and I'm speaking directly to people who have read the second book. Yeah. When you know what's going on yeah. with Teravangian as a character, there's some stu- there's things you start to notice in his short sequences there. It should be interesting. So, Seconded. Zeth's reaction to what Teravangian is doing and how he steps forward and how it almost seems to he almost seems to break out of his programming because that's what it is really this is this is brainwashed programming with his O-Stone and all this truthless stuff it, it, that almost causes him to break out of his his programming uh, 
makes me double down on my my uh, Kaladin Zeth buddy cop drama <laughs> hope for the you know for the future. It'll be interesting, but okay. So we have the the death rattle ones are the most interesting on your first read through. Totally agree with that. Yeah. The research ones are kind of like okay, those will get better. Yep. Those will be more interesting when you have more information. The first one, the first, or I shouldn't say the first one, the narrative ones. There is nothing that clarifies what those are until you take them and form them into a letter. I'm, I kind of want to go do this on my own without you spoiling it for me, but go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. So I'm going to read the letter to you guys because it's all there. I'm going to save you the time of having to go chapter by chapter to pull them out. This is the letter. Old friend, I hope this missive finds you well, though as you are now essentially immortal, I would guess that wellness on your part is something of a given. I realize that you are probably still angry. This isn't, that is pleasant to know. Much as your perpetual health, I have come to rely upon your dissatisfaction with me. It is one of the Cosmere's great constants, I should think. I feel the same way about Craig. <laughs> <laughs> That's not in the letter. That's not in the letter, right? Let me first assure you that the, let me first assure you that the element is quite safe. I have found a good home for it. I protect its safety like I protect my own skin, you might say. You do not agree with my quest, I understand that, so much as it is possible to understand someone with whom I disagree so completely, might I be quite frank? Before you asked why I was so concerned, it is for the following reason. Eighty was once a kind and generous man, and you saw what became of him. Race, on the other hand, was amongst the most loathsome, crafty, and dangerous individuals I had ever met. He holds the most frightening and terrible of all the shards. Ponder on that for a time, you old reptile, and tell me if your insistence on non-intervention holds firm, because I assure you, race will not be similarly inhibited. One need only look at the aftermath of his brief visit to Cell to see proof of what I say. In case you have turned a blind eye to that disaster, know that Aeona and Skye are both dead, and that, w and that which they held has been splintered, presumably to prevent anyone from rising up to challenge Ray's. You have accused me of arrogance in my quest. You have accused me of perpetuating my grudge against race and Bavadin. Both accusations are true. Neither point makes the things I have written to you here untrue. I am being chased, your friends of the 17th Shard, I suspect. I believe they're still lost, following a false trail I left for them. They'll be happier that way. I doubt they have any inkling what to do with me should they actually catch me. If anything I have said makes a glimmer of sense to you, I trust that you'll call them off, or maybe you could astound me and ask them to do something productive for once. For I have never been dedicated to a more important purpose, and the very pillars of the sky will shake with the results of our war here. I ask again, support me. Do not stand aside and let disaster consume more lives. I've never begged you for something before, old friend. I do so now. It's got to be Hoyt. So right? Hoyt, Hoyt wrote this letter. That is the cons That is what has been... That's the prevailing Mostly the the yeah, thank yeah. you, the prevailing theory. And Brandon has pretty much confirmed that it is Hoyd that has written that. Now, there's a lot of names in there. There's a lot of things. Um, uh, okay, hang on. Let me see if I, what I got. Cell is where Elantris takes place. Uh, Aeona must be the source of the Aeons, that magic system there. There may have been another god that I didn't catch, maybe the one that's fueling the uh, monks of Dakor. Uh, those gods are dead. Uh, and the... I think you mentioned to me earlier before we started uh, recording that the visit to Cell resulted in the chasm that, uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> for Elantris. there's, okay, there's a chasm in Elantris yeah. and it plays a big role. Uh, anyway, am I so, right? 
Um, as far as I can tell, yes. Okay. Um, and I think that we will actually dissect this letter and the second letter in our Cosmere episode. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time with this, but th- this is what you're seeing inside of the epigraphs. So when we first started this, and you're like, I, I'm sure they'll make sense. So they'll, they'll, they'll matter at some point in time. They matter through every book we have read in this series. Yep. Yeah. I feel so much nerdier for having listened to that. You should. Oh my gosh. You should. And it should get you excited about our Cosmere discussion because yeah. uh, go back and review these things. And if you, I mean, don't spend a ton of time on 17th Shard spoilers until you're until you're, you're done. Uh, I, I should mention we get this a lot on Reddit, and I'm sure that we'll get it a few more times unless people actually listen all the way to the end here. Uh, we are planning a Cosmere 101 episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what the plan is right now is we'll finish up Words of Radiance, get done with basically all the Cosmere stuff. I know there's a few short stories, and White Sand hasn't been completely published yet, so there's a few pieces missing. But once we get there, we'll uh, let Ryan take us through a Cosmere 101 episode. And we won't stop there. After we're done with everything, starting in November, we are going to do our Wheel of Time series on Robert Jordan. But that'll be a book a month. And so we've got to fill up some other time. And one of the things that we're going to do is uh, keep diving into the Cosmere, whether it's reading a short story or understanding something. I I still don't get, I've had it explained to me five times, I still don't get investiture. So we'll need to do a whole... You could do a college semester on investiture by itself. So yeah, there are things to understand, things to try desperately to comprehend, and we'll be doing that as we go through some of the other stuff. So fear not, we will get there. Yeah, and I'm not going to eat up our Cosmere episode, or this episode with Cosmere stuff much longer. We should probably um, do final thoughts. Yeah, we need to final thoughts. wrap things up. So anything that you want to bring up, this is your last chance. Um, should, we, should we, uh, for those who have it ready, should we try to cast this very quickly? For our, just your favorite character. Cast your favorite character. Hmm. I've got mine. I've got mine. Okay, go Todd. Um, Hoyd as Tom Hiddleston. Hoyd at Tom I Hiddleston liked, as Hoyd. I liked I had Hoyd Alan, Tudyk, I had Alan Tudyk as Hoyd. Yeah. That's not bad. Oh, yeah, really you said that last that. time. Yeah, last time at the end um, of the And that's all I that's can see I now. That's why I decided to bring it up again. Yep. Yasna Colin, this might be going a bit young, uh, but Yasna Colin, Je- Jessica Chastain. Huh. I don't think that's too young. I think that... I think it, it, I think it could work. Um... And I don't, see. I don't think she's old oh, enough. I'm but thinking I, of the wrong. I'm thinking of the wrong person. Yeah, I I think of Catherine Zeta-Jones as Navani. That's a good one. Ooh. She might be a little young, but um, she's Navani. No, Sh- I think she's Shalon. Shalon Emily Browning. Oh really? Maybe. Yeah, the huh. Australian actress who you might know from a series of unfortunate events when she was but a wee teenager, and, uh, and, Sucker, and Sucker Punch. Punch. Yeah. Uh, and she was also in Legend and some horror movies and stuff anyway I think she's pretty talented even if she doesn't always choose the best projects Uh, anyway I I think she can make a good Shalon does anyone have a Dalinar? Russell Crowe? No. 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 Ah. no. 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 I can't I cannot for the life of me figure out who I would want to see as Dalinar but I know who I don't want to see Russell Crowe Crowe. you know (laughs) I I don't think it would really work I, I don't know but I would love to see the return of Vigo Mortensen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah maybe. that could be good. I would I love to see that, that one. If if he were just a little younger, I would say Michael Caine. 
Uh, no, not enough warrior. It's him. it's got to be somebody. Oh. It's got to be somebody. If who you got some of his older stuff, yeah, you, sure. You need to, you need to see him. In. So when you say just a little bit younger, you're talking thirty years. Yeah, I was thinking somebody Sorry, more I'm along the lines guy. of like Sean Bean. I would love Sean. Sean that Bean, would be a great choice. No, because that means Dalinar has to die. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the other thing. There's all, I think there's only one movie where Sean Bean does not die. What about... Um, okay, well, this wasn't meant to be a 10-minute so discussion. Yeah. Okay, sorry. All right. Leave it alone. I'll leave it alone. I want, I, I, want one, I want to throw one more character out that I want just to think about real quick and give me your first impression on casting. Rock. Oh. The Rock. The Yeah, The, the Rock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's supposed to be a redhead, like a really pale redhead, but... That really, he's a Hawaiian. He sounds like the He's rock. a Hawaiian. <laughs> that works. No, anyway, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, so here's I would, my... I would cast... It, it, it may not work, and for those of you who who totally disagree with me, that's fine, but I would cast the actor that's currently playing uh, uh, Hawaii Five-O's Kamakona. Yeah, nobody watches yeah. that show. That's man. who I. That's who I see him as. Great big Hawaiian guy. He walks around, and basically, he's also a cook. But he's always saying very interesting things, looking at everybody and saying, "You just don't appreciate me." That's <laughs> that's who I was thinking of. I don't know the guy's name. I didn't even know his character. I think it's funny that we like associate that. Uh, a lot of we're associating kind of certain nationalities with people because Brandon did the same thing when he writing this. Oh yeah, and the Obviously. the audiobooks. He actually there's one that he didn't originally intend that he now kind of thinks about. Um, and that's the uh, Herdazians are Australians, basically. Yeah, <gasps> I like that. If you listen to the audiobook, he's like, ah, I love that the Herdazians are, are Australian. Yeah, Gancho. And so much of what he's written, uh, he pulls from cultures here. The safe hand thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> Korean culture. Oh, oh, yeah, sure. I wondered based, if it was like foot binding. No. Not, well, well, it's he <laughs> says it's based on the concept of the fact that showing the bottom of your foot is offensive mm-hmm. there. So he just took it another level of hiding the entire... Portion of the I body. just feel badly for any woman who's left-handed. <laughs> there are no left-handed women. So here's, women here's my Rochelle. final thought. The glyphs. He describes the glyphs, but I never really had a clear understanding of what they were. I just thought they were kind of like uh, vaguely East Asian symbols, you know, that, that style of writing. Mm-hmm. But it is a little bit different, and you get a few examples if you look at some of the jacket art and things like that. You can go online and look up, um, you know, the, the bridge for glyph. I uh, I really like the concept, but I find it very unfortunate that it's associated in my mind with uh, with bros who get stupid tribal tattoos. <laughs> it looks <laughs> it looks a lot like that. So it's like the tribal tattoos of Roshar. You have no idea how ironic what you just said is, but you will. Okay. Um, <laughs> wait until book two. Yeah, wait until book two. Does Bridge right. Four become the bros of Roshar? <laughs> No, I don't know <laughs> okay. how that would exactly be. Other final thoughts? Yeah, what's your? Go ahead, I'm Todd. I'm interested to see how harmony plays into this because I have the feeling that's coming, only because they talk about your god is both male and female. They make some references there. Uh, there were some references made with that 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 it just feels like oh well, and if there's a connectedness in the cosmere, and if God is dead, I remember there's the there's the moment where. Uh, Harmony is talking to Wax, and he's saying, "You know, I'm I'm being pursued. Um, I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen with this, if something's going to happen with this." Okay, final thought, Ken. I, I just have so many questions now. I don't really have any final thoughts. I'm just interested to see how so many things. What start are you most to play excited out. about in the I, next book? 
you know, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily excited. I'm, I'm interested to see. Shinovar feels like Casablanca almost. It feels like this oasis world apart from everything else. It's not affected by the storms, the high storms. They have lush greenery and they, they have, you know, the, the earth as we have it, you know, with, with things that grow and things don't retract and it's not this desolation. I'm interested to see what, what knocks them into the fight, basically. I, I don't know if I don't know if that's anything or, or you know if, if that anything in, like that happens, but I, I'm interested to I'm interested to see more from Shinovar. Okay, so Megan, final thoughts. I um I just kind of wanted to point out that I like the way he handles uh, gender roles, but for the light eyes, he's um, Donner makes a comment. A good light eyes officer was really a team: the man to command and fight, the woman to read, write, engineer, and manage camp. I like that these women are not women who just, like, hang out. They all, they have a job to do. They're very important to the camp. Um, it's kind of one of the reasons why he wants Adolin to hurry up and get married. Mm-hmm. Um, but later, Dalinar also notices while he's fighting the Parshendi that um, it looks like the men and the women might be fighting together as a team. And he says, could the pairs be husbands and wives fighting together? Oh, that's messed up. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's, that's, well, it's not messed up. It's just really different and kind of jarring. Right? Yeah. That was interesting. Strange. And I'm sure he thought so too. Very interesting. Yeah. That's another Parshendi I'm interested. Is that, There's is that everybody? That. Uh, that's, uh, that's everybody's there. I um, <laughs> my, I don't really have a good final thought because everything that's running through my head at the moment is based on what's Except about to, to say, go ahead and read book two. Yes, please please start reading book two and uh, get ready get ready for that. Uh, Megan, I want to say thank you for, for coming on this far. I think Thanks we're going to bring me. you back more often, Hooray. definitely. Um, is is book two, Words of Radiance, is it structured the same way, five sections? Yes. Okay, so we'll do roughly the same thing that we did this time. We'll read it little by little. Uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, Ryan, is there anything else that we need to do before I call it? You might just want to reiterate the word of the day. I was just about to get there. Yep. So thank you everybody for listening. The word of the day today was bridge four. I know it's two words. You know what? Just back off. Just hyphenate it. There you go. Uh, So the word of the day is bridge four. Go back, listen to episodes one and two. I guess they're episodes 101 and 103 or something like that. Uh, or whatever. <laughs> the first two episodes of our Way of Kings series, you'll get the words, words of the day. Uh, tweet those, uh, the entire sentence at us, or send it to us by Facebook. However, you would like to do so, you can email it to us, thelegendariumpodcast at gmail.com, or you can email me directly, Craig, at thelegendariumpodcast.com, and we will be happy to throw your hat into the ring for that drawing. There is one other way to enter. You can go to patreon.com slash legendarium. If you donate at least $3, that's $3 per episode that we produce, then you are automatically entered entered for any contest, any drawing that we do. In fact, you are entered twice for that particular, uh, for whatever drawing it is that we're doing. You don't have to tweet any phrases at us. You don't have to do anything. You just have to donate $3 per episode and you are automatically given double entry for every contest we do. So, on that note, you can do that. You guys, uh, Ryan is out for a week, so I don't know that we'll have an episode next weekend. I'll see if we want to pull something together or if we just give ourselves a week off because this has been a lot of reading and a lot of work, and we've got a lot of reading ahead of us because Words of Radiance is even bigger. So in two weeks, we will see you for uh, sections one and two of Words of Radiance. Thank you, everybody, for listening, especially, again, thank you to the Brandon Sanderson subs on Reddit. Uh, very much appreciate everybody's 
support there. Uh, all right, guys. Two weeks. Two weeks. See you then. Two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Over and out. Tally ho.